we are living in a time of irreverence to God. We can all agree to that. He's mocked and ridiculed daily. He's made an object, a means to an end, and not the end to our means. You will see that that monster, that gruesome beast that's beyond words that Daniel didn't have any words to explain what this beast looked like. What is the greatest folly of the idol, if you look at it? He treats inanimate objects as if they had life and intelligence. And he becomes like the idol that he is. Deaf, dumb, and mute. That is the greatest folly of an idol worshiper. We are exactly the same exact place that Jerusalem was back then. Welcome to the Agape Fellowship, where we undertake a verse-by-verse -verse study of the scriptures. We are so glad that you could join us. We have been learning from the book of Habakkuk, and in our last installment, we see God teaching Habakkuk that the righteous shall live by faith. The Bible in Hebrews 11, the famous chapter on faith, in verse 1 tells us what faith is. It reads, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The same chapter, again in verse 6 reads, Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Today we continue on from Habakkuk chapter 2, and we will also look more into what it means when God says, The just shall live by faith. May God bless you richly as you study His word with us. Habakkuk is quoted in New Testament. Can you tell me where it's quoted? This particular verse. I mean, it's become our vocabulary, and we think this is amazing that this little verse came from here. Birth in the crucible of pain and uncertain future and sure destruction. And in this portion is this whole thing. This has been quoted by many times. Let's read Romans 1. 16 onwards, 16 to 25. Can someone take Romans 1, 16 to 25? For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jews first and also the Gentiles. This good news tells us, tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since that word was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God has made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. 
so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas for what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. They worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. So here is Paul using the just shall live by faith in how shall we then live in a wicked world that has gone astray. He's using that. He's applying that into this in this uh, narrative on justification on um, living in a wicked a world gone wicked a godless world. Second time Paul applies this is in Galatians chapter eleven. Can someone read? Uh, Galatians chapter 11, uh, I'm sorry, 3, Galatians chapter 3, uh, starting at verse one, uh, 5 and to 11. And whilst you're picking that up, and one of you can pick up Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 to 39. So again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law? Or by, by your believing what you, you've heard. So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who, who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel to advance, in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified be before God because the righteous will live by faith. Thanks, Len. That's good. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, 35 to 39. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God you may receive the promise for yet a little while and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. now the just shall live by faith but if anyone draws back my soul has no pleasure in him but we are not of those who draw back to perdition but of those who believe to the saving of the soul 
Thank you, sister. So here we have Paul applying in two. One is living in a godless world. How do we live in a godless world? That is his application of this just shall live by faith. He says, look, when you're living in a godless world, you shall live by faith. The second one is justification. Our justification is not by works. It's by faith. Abraham was justified by faith. And so Paul is applying the same thing. The just shall live by faith. And finally, in Hebrews chapter 10, we see perseverance in faith. Oh, the world is so difficult. I mean, it, it's pulling me back. It's drawing me back. How do I hold on to this? And so the author of Hebrews says, the just shall live by faith. It is by faith. It's the faith is the fund, foundation, the fundamental component of our relationship with God. It's the foundation. Without faith, we have nothing. It is faith in God that is bringing us into his kingdom. Now look at the parallels. Let me draw this parallel. I've been talking about parallels. Let me talk about this. We are living in a time of irreverence to God. We can all agree to that. He's mocked and ridiculed daily. He's made an object, a means to an end, and not the end to our means. Consider ourselves as true worshipers. Let us say we are Habakkuk's. We are looking in the world and we are asking God, God, how long, how long will you allow the world to go this way? And God tells us, my son, my daughter, I'm preparing an instrument of judgment. And we are asking, who, who is this instrument of judgment? He's saying, he's telling us, Satan and his emissaries are about to leash destruction like you've never seen before. Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, Pol Pot and the world combined cannot hold a candle to what I'm preparing. And we say, what? I know we are pretty bad. I know we've gone bad, but are you saying that you're gonna allow them to impact us? And in order to answer the question, you really need to know Daniel. The Daniel, in Daniel chapter two, we see the, the, uh, the uh, 70 foot statue, the 90 foot statue, and where the different uh, metals uh, of, uh, of the body, gold and silver and bronze, and then at the end, a nation and uh, um, iron and an iron and clay together. We see that. And then later on, Daniel has a vision. This was a vision that was given to Nebuchadnezzar. And then later on in Daniel chapter seven, Daniel sees a vision and in that there's a vision of a beast, a gruesome beast. And if you read it, I don't have time to read this, but Daniel chapter 7, 19 to 27, if you were to read that portion, you will see that that monster, that gruesome beast that's beyond words that Daniel didn't have any words to explain what this beast looked like. And this is what it says. Uh, verse 21, I was watching in the same horn, making war against saints and prevailing against them until the ancient of days came and judgment was made in favor of the saints of the most high and time 
came for the saints to possess the kingdom. And so God permits that. Just like God permitted Nebuchadnezzar and Chaldeans, there's going to come a time when he's going to permit it. He could stop it, but he's going to permit it. Tribulation and persecution are coming our way. And it's clear what is to come. What is to come. And so there are parallels. And so we are called into this time. Look at even now. We're saying, God, when are you going to come? How long are you going to do this? What's going to happen? And God said what? The just shall live by faith. And so we are also called in that same fashion, the same exact way um, to follow uh, the model that was given to Habakkuk. To live by faith. Indeed, because, what is verse 8? Uh, 5. Indeed, because he transgresses by wine, he is a proud man. He does not stay at home, because he enlarges his desire as hell, and he is like death and cannot be satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and heaps up for himself all the peoples. Will not all these take up the proverb against him and a taunting riddle against him and say, woe to him who increases what is not his and how long? And to him who loads himself with many pledges, will not your creditors rise up suddenly? Will they not awaken who oppress you and you will become their booty? Because you have plundered many nations. All the remnants of the people shall plunder you because of man's, men's blood and the violence of the land and the city and all who dwell in it. He enlarges desire. God sees the proud man and how the proud man cannot be satisfied. The one who is declared by just by faith is satisfied, but the proud one keeps on grasping. That's another thing of the proud. The prideful man never can be satisfied. By the way, this is also, while it's talking about the proud person, it also refers to the Babylonians. As you can see, it's the Babylonians. And if you remember in Daniel chapter 4, God humbles Nebuchadnezzar. Why? Of pride. Was that exact very thing that happened in Nebuchadnezzar? He humbles him. Because you have plundered many nations, all the remnant of the people shall plunder. Here God assures Habakkuk that he knows how to deal. He knows how to deal with the Babylonians. Just as they plundered many nations, so one day others would plunder them. And Babylonians are a perfect example of the pride who set for themselves and declare that... Um, they're perfect examples of the proud who set themselves against those who are declared just by faith. Verse 9. Woe to him who covets evil gain in his house, that he may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of disaster. You give shameful counsel to your house, cutting off many people and sin against your own soul. For the stone will cry out from the wall and the beam from the timbers against it. Now there are four woes 
that God is going to pronounce against the greedy. And you're going to see now he's talking about those that are greedy. People in the, in the town that are greedy. Woe to him who covets evil gains. And you give shameful counsel for your house. God addresses the greedy man and tells him that he's ripe for judgment. The greedy man does his best to protect himself. That is, he sets, sets his nest on high. Yet all his best will come to an end. The next one he says is to the violent. Let's look at that verse 12. I'm going to go through this quickly. Woe to him who builds a town with bloodshed, who establishes a city by iniquity. Behold, is it not the Lord of hosts that the people labor to feed the fire and the nations weary themselves in gain? For the earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The Lord is not displeased with the, not only displeased with the greedy, he is now pronouncing a judgment, a woe against those that are violent. The violent man thinks that he might, his might makes it right, so he feels he can abuse others. Now, this was the thing that was going on in Jerusalem at that time. And as a correction and as a rebuke, Lord reminds the violent that he will ultimately triumph. In other words, God will ultimately triumph. And the earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. And then he wants the drunk in verse, the next verse. Verse 15, woe to, woe to him who gives drink to his neighbor, pressing him to your bottle, even to make him drunk, that you may look on his nakedness and you are filled with shame instead of glory. You also drink and be exposed as uncircumcised. The cup of the Lord's right hand will be turned against you. And utter shame will be your glory. For the violence done to Lebanon will cover you and the plunder of the beasts which made them afraid because of men's blood and the violence of the land and the city and all who dwell in it. So he, he pronounces a woe against those that are um, drunks and who makes others drunk. And then finally, he pronounces a woe against the idolaters. What prophet is the image that its maker should carve it? The molded image, a teacher of lies, that the maker of its mold should trust in it to make mute idols? Woe to him who says to wood, awake, to the silent stone, arise, it shall teach you. Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, yet in it there is no breath at all. But the Lord in his, is in his holy temple, that all the earth keep silent. What is the greatest folly of the idolater, if you look at it? He treats inanimate objects as if they had life and intelligence. And he becomes like the idol that he is, deaf, dumb, and mute. That is the greatest folly of an idol, an idol worshiper. It is overlaid with gold and silver. So he does all these things. The folly of the idolater will be exposed in the majesty of the living God. 
even though he's laying it up with gold and silver, yet there's no breath. But the Lord is in his holy temple. And so he says, let all the earth keep silent. So we see that a nation had sunken so badly. And there are so many parallels. Today, the idols are not temples and that, but there are other idols in our lives. There are drunks. I mean, we've given up on it completely. We've lost our senses. And we cause others to become drunkards. And then there are others that um, are stealing and building our own. And then there are others that are greedy. All these things are happening. So what, what in all these things in the society, and as we read in Ezekiel 16, they had sunken so low. They come to the end of their ways. And we are at that same, and in fact, that's what I meant, a parallel. We are exactly the same exact place that Jerusalem was back then. So he's talking, all these verses after chapter, I mean, from 2-1, Yes. He's talking about Judah again. He's not talking about the Babylonians. No, except that one portion about the, the proud where he talks about them, they, he's going to judge them. The one portion about the, that portion is about the Babylonians. However, the rest is about Judah itself. Sure. Um, so all these things, and that's what I, we went back to read Ezekiel 16 for us to understand how horrible it had gotten. And if you look at our society, our nation, our world in general has come to the same place again. And just as we read in Romans, we've given up the good for the bad. We call good, bad, bad, good. And how shall we then live? We shall, the just shall live by faith. And that, dear brothers and sisters, is our message today. That is what our Habakkuk's central theme, God's specific answer in the book of Habakkuk is this one. And it rings true, even notice the authors of the New Testament uh, narratives and letters. They all pick up the same. When you're in a place where you're living in a broken world, uh, uh, an unbelieving world, the just shall live by faith. When you are in the middle of a question on, you know, how is my just, where is my justification from? You've forgotten where your justification is. Is it by your work? No. Is it by my work? No. It's the show, the work is of God and the just shall live by faith. He's saying, he's pointing to Abraham and saying, look, look at how Abraham received his salvation. It wasn't anything around. He, he believed in God and was accounted to him as righteousness. And then the author of Hebrews tells us, persevere in the faith. This is so, so critical. We could run all the way, but if we slip the last two feet, we're done for. We've come all the way, but at the end we drop it. We slip, we drop, we walk away. We walk away. He says, no, persevere to the end. Finish the race. And so God is calling, how will you finish a race? You're struggling. I cannot believe it. I cannot make it. He says, no, you got to make it. He encouraged us to say, look, the faith is in me. I'll take you to the finish line. Put your trust in me. I will take you to the finish line. And so he tells them, persevere. Cross the finish line. 
And that is the lesson for tonight. Today's meditation concludes the second chapter of Habakkuk. We were able to draw parallels from the time in which Habakkuk lived with our own times and thus how important our faith is. We were able to consider how it is that we ought to live in a time in history where an irreverence for God is on the increase. We also see that our justification comes from faith and not works. And finally, how faith helps us to persevere and endure to the finish. We are told to expect judgment and that difficult times are ahead of us. Like Habakkuk was instructed, we are also called to live by faith. We hope you were blessed by the study. Join us next week as we look to Habakkuk chapter 3.